Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome To the show Listen man I'm angry today I'm angry And you know why I'm angry Okay Number one I spent the better part of last week arguing About The cause of the Giants problems (laughs) Is it the offensive line or is it Daniel Jones? Which one is it? It's both. Then I had to watch that terrible, fraudulent franchise called the Cowboys come on my TV Sunday night and look like trash. I'm here to talk about it. What up, Cyber Family? If this is your first time joining us, welcome. This is Sometimes I'll Be Right. I am your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally! So as I said, I'm annoyed. So let's start right in on the Cowboys. We them boys! Yeah, sure. Who them boys? The boys that do what? How many times do I have to watch this team against the better opponents on their schedule look like absolute garbage? Dak Prescott stinks. That's all it is. That's all it comes down to. If we're going to accept in the sports world that the NFL team is only as good as the quarterback, then we have to acknowledge that the Cowboys' struggles have to be predicated on the quarterback. There's no reason, no reason for this offense to look as bad as it does. None. 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 Every year we come into the season and the Cowboys get praised for how much talent they have. This is a loaded roster. Loaded roster. And you open the season against the Giants, you dominate 40-0. to Wow, this defense is phenomenal. Look at the turnovers, blah, 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 blah. I came in here and I said, I'm throwing that game away. That game, so many fluky things happened in that game. It was Everything went wrong for the Giants. I take no stock in that. You follow it up and you dominate the Jets. Oh, wow, look at this. People start talking about this Cowboys defense being one of the greatest of all time. This Cowboys defense is elite. This Cowboys defense might be the best defense in the NFL. Oh, we're all excited. Woo, look at this. Dak Prescott not making mistakes. Not making mistakes. Look at Dak. Texas Coast offense. Then you throw up a stinker versus the Cardinals, and we all give you a pass. Hey, don't worry about it. You get a pass. It's a bad game. It's cool. Offensive line had injuries. It's cool. And come back against the Patriots, and you absolutely dominate the Patriots. Everyone's back in. This defense is legit. This defense is da-da-da-da-da. Now you set up, and I even said last week, this is the most important game of the NFL schedule this year. This game means everything. The Cowboys have been losing to the 49ers in big spots for the last couple years. Last two years, they lost to them in the playoffs. Regular season, it's been tough. This is a rivalry that goes back to the 90s. Like This is a big deal. The Cowboys are in a situation now where they can prove to me, to us, to the world, to themselves that they are for real. You got a prime time. Get the eyes of the entire football world watching you. It's time to show out. And what do they do? Put up a stinker. They look like they didn't belong in the same state as the 49ers. Sad looks everywhere, people with their head down. Are you surprised? No. If you hate the Cowboys, you're not surprised by the way this game went. This is exactly how you thought it was going to go. Why? Because the Cowboys do this all the time. Oh, they'll beat up bad teams. Oh, they'll dominate bad teams. They'll look like Super Bowl contenders against bad teams. But when they go against a good team, when they go against a team that has answers for them, when they go against a team that's going to pose a challenge, that's going to push them back a little bit, this team folds. It folds. I've been a Cowboys fan my entire life. I've been a Cowboys fan my entire life. This team folds. 
and it pisses me off. And I'm annoyed as a fan. Because every time they got a big game, this is it. This is the show improve game. You're going you gonna to show out today. They don't show up. Dak Prescott looks like garbage. Dak Prescott's throwing picks to nobody. Doing a whole bunch of stupid stuff. Not making plays. Three and outs. And then everyone's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And everyone points to everything else other than, hey, it's simple. Dak stinks. The other teams don't respect his ability to beat them. They load up on the run, make him a one-dimensional offense, and Dak can't do it. Why? Because Dak coming out of high school wasn't a pure passer, coming out of college wasn't a pure passer, and isn't a pure passer now. That's never been the best thing he does. Dak was great when he first came into the league because he was running, he was moving, he had Zeke and the running game was going, and you didn't quite know if you were a defensive coordinator where it's coming from. They can run the ball behind that elite offensive line and that great running back they got. Then they could run play action, and not only could they throw the ball because it's play action, we got to load the box, but he might also take off and run with it. So if we get pressure on him, he's going to break contain. Now there's problems. Then all of a sudden, Dak Prescott decided, hey, I don't want to run no more. I just want to sit in the pocket and throw the ball. He's not that. He cannot do it. He cannot do it consistently 40 times a game. He can't do it. How many times do you need to see it? How many times do you need to see, hey, Dak, drop back 40 times and deliver the ball. He ain't going to be able to do it consistently. You're going to get a couple interceptions. It's going to happen. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't know why they bought into it. I'm out. I'm done. And you got these fans, fans calling for, is it Trey Lance time? Bro, Trey, Trey Lance? We don't even know if he could play. Yes, I love that they traded for him because, hey, look, like two years from now, like you might have to go in there. Like, let's see what we, let's, let's ease you through it. Pressure's off. No pressure on you now. You can just sit there and learn, and the talent is there. Let's see if we can coach him up. But now, no. No. You put Trey Lance in there like, nightmare. All I know is that Dak is not my future. If I'm Jerry Jones, I'm already thinking, what are our options? And I would move heaven and earth, heaven and earth. I would do whatever I needed to do to move up in the draft. Maybe you don't have to. They're three and two right now, right? They got the Chargers coming up Monday night. They're gonna lose. Now you're three and three. They're gonna lose. As a matter of fact, let me pull up their schedule. They might be sitting in the top ten. This thing could this thing could fall apart real quick. That's one thing I do know. This thing could fall apart real quick. You could be looking at a new head coach, new quarterback, new offensive coordinator. Dan Quinn might lead. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff. That could happen. This thing could fall apart quick. This team sucks. <laughs> that's an that's an exaggeration. That's a that's an overreaction to this loss. But this loss, the reason why it makes me so mad is because this game was so important. It was so important. And Michael Parsons is gonna come out after and say George Kittle wearing the F Dallas t-shirt. Like you want to make it personal. All right, it's personal then. If we see y'all again, we'll see. It could be personal. It's like, bro, you just lost. You just got smacked around 42 to 10. Debo Samuel's absolutely right. Bro, 42 to 10, it might be worse next time. Let's look at their upcoming schedule. You got the Chargers, Monday Night Football. They're going to lose. They're going to lose. I guarantee they're going to lose. Then they got the bye week. Coming out of the bye week, they got the Rams. They'll beat the Rams. 1 o'clock at home, they'll beat the Rams. Then you got to go to Philly. They're going to lose. Then you're home against the Giants. That's a dub. Then you got Carolina. That's a dub. You got Washington. They're going to lose. Now I'm lying. They're going to (laughs) win. I take that one back. Seattle. That's a Thursday night game. They might win. They might win. Then you got Philly at home. Sunday night game. They're going to lose. You got Buffalo, they're going to lose. Miami, they're going to lose. Saturday versus Detroit, they're going to lose. 
and that Washington, they, they're not going to be in the top 10. They're not going to be in the top 10. So, yeah, my original point stands. You better move heaven and earth to try to get one of these young quarterbacks coming out. Nah, I lied. I lied. Take take all that back. Yo, my bad. I'm overreacting. I'm overreacting. It ain't that bad. It ain't that bad. <laughs> Just that quick, I'm changing my tune. It ain't that bad. Look, but this team, Dak is not the right answer. Dak is not the right guy. And so what you have to do is you have to realize Dak is not that guy. He's not a drop back 40 times and win the game kind of guy. So what can we do? They have to start utilizing and playing to his strengths. And I feel like they're not doing that. I feel like part of it is that stubbornness of we paid you, so we have to you have to do this this way because that's what we paid you to do without accepting and acknowledging the fact that he's not that guy. I'm off the Cowboys. The Cowboys are frauds. The Cowboys are going to struggle against all the all the better teams that they play. They're going to have issues with because those teams understand that Dak Prescott can't beat us. So let's move on because the expectations for the Cowboys are very, very high. And you know how I feel about expectations. Expectations are going to make or break you. If you were expecting great things and you get good, you're going to think that it's terrible. If you were expecting trash and you get good, you call it great. That's just a fact. If I tell you, I just saw this movie and it was the greatest movie I've ever, it's the greatest movie ever made. It's unbelievable. You will not believe how good this movie is. That movie could be good. It could be really good. But you were expecting great. So if that movie is anything other than the greatest movie you've ever seen, you're going to come back and say, that movie was kind of trash. It wasn't trash. It was just that you were expecting so much more than what it was. If I tell you this burger is the greatest burger that's ever existed and you take a bite and it's a good burger, you're going to say, this burger ain't that good. Not because it's not a good burger, but you were expecting great. You understand what I'm saying? Expectations matter and they shape the way we view things. Which is why Zach Wilson going 19 to 26, 199 yards, one pick is good. It's considered really good. Oh man, Zach Wilson's turning the corner. No, he's still playing poorly. It's just not as bad as you were expecting. Your expectations went to Zach Wilson can't do anything right. So if he does one thing right, you look at it and say, wow, he's he's playing well. He's not. But the expectations have changed. Jets beating the Broncos. You have one quarterback, Russell Wilson, who's expected to be great. And when he's just okay or performs poorly, we all think, oh, something's wrong. Oh, man, this guy's trash because the expectations were so high. The other quarterback, Zach Wilson, the expectations are so low that if he just plays okay like he has in the last two weeks, we rant and rave about it like, oh, look look how much better he's playing expectations matter and they play a part in every area of our lives and in sports it's even more evident it's so so prominent in sports that expectations dictate how we look at outcomes so the Jets beating the Broncos and Zach Wilson's play in that game is elevated because the expectations were so low expectations matter people So what do I think of Zach Wilson coming out of that game? What's my takeaway? Um, Well, I told you I made the bet earlier in the year that the Jets wouldn't make the playoffs with or without Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, when Aaron Rodgers went down, it seemed like it was a lock that I was going to win that bet. And if Zach Wilson starts to play better and improve, they got a chance to sneak into the playoffs and then I lose that bet. So as much as I'm betting against the Jets, as much as I'm rooting against them, I think what's happening in New York is less about Zach Wilson and more about that coaching staff. And I think really what it is, is the coaching staff, when Zach Wilson first went in there, I think because he's incredibly talented and he could do so many things throwing the ball, I think they treated him like that. Like, oh, he can do a lot. Let's give him a lot. I think after a few games of watching him struggle, I think they realized, look, as talented as he may be, he ain't there. He ain't got it. Whether it's, you know, he don't have it, the mental capacity or whether he doesn't have the confidence, whatever it is, he don't have it. So what they decided to do is they made a course correction and they started to call the game in a way that would allow him to build confidence. And once he built confidence, they know Zach Wilson is a guy who once he feels confident, bro, there's nothing he can't do. He feels like he could he could conquer the world once he builds that confidence. And so what they had to do was figure out a way to manufacture some confidence for him. 
And that's what they've done. And what you've seen in the last two games is a kid who's growing more confident in a team that is calling the plays for him and not trying to call the plays and asking him to execute it. Does that make sense? They are tailoring things around what he's good at, what he's not good at, what he likes, what he doesn't like. They're figuring out how to call the game to get the best out of Zach Wilson. So while I am encouraged by Zach Wilson, he looks more confident. I feel like he's playing more free, more loose, more relaxed. I think a huge credit needs to go to that coaching staff for understanding that, reading it, and seeing it. And maybe Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys can take notes. Moving on to my favorite topic, my favorite subject of the year, my my favorite storyline of this year. You all are going to be tired by the end of the season. You're going to be tired of hearing me talk about C.J. Stroud. But here's why I'm doing it. Here's why. Um, number one, because I'm a fan. I'm a fan of C.J. Stroud. He went to Ohio State and uh, very quickly, in his first year starting, he... he, he uh, In his first year starting for Ohio State, they played, they opened up at Minnesota. And in that game, the question was, how good is this kid? You know, CJ Stroud, how good can he be? And he made a throw in that game. And I even said, coming out of that game, I even said, I've never seen anyone throw the ball as well and as easy as that kid does. And it was a play. It wasn't even completed. Like, that's the crazy part. The pass wasn't even completed. But it was a throw he threw. And you know, because you're watching it on TV, right? So you watch it, and they show him throw it out of the pocket. So you see him throw it. And then the camera kind of follows the ball, right? Well, this when he threw it, it was the simplest, easiest, smoothest, like just, eh, just flick of the wrist, eh, threw it out there. And so when he let it go, it's like, oh, that's like a 5 or 10 yard out. That's the level of effort he displayed when he was throwing it. But when the camera followed the ball, it went like 60 yards, Like, no joke. I'm not even lying. You can look it up. You can look up every throw versus Minnesota for a CJ show. You can look it up. He just kind of, eh, nonchalantly, eh, throw it. And the ball just kept going. And I'm sitting in my house watching this like, what the hell? And I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it how far that ball went. Because when you watch him throw the ball, it looks like that's a five-yard throw. That's how much effort he put into that throw. And it flew. And I said, yo, no, 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 no. I've seen a lot of guys throw the ball deep. And they look like you see him wind up and and they put up the muscle. You can see like, all right, he, he throwing that thing. No, CJ Stroud just kind of meh. And it just went. And I said, that don't make no sense. So from that moment on, it was like, yo, this kid's different. And then, you know, Ohio State fans was calling for him to get benched after the the Oregon loss. Bring in Quinn Ewers. It's time to move on. C.J. Stroud's not the guy. And that just made me feel like, you know what? Nah, there's there's something about this kid. He, he's he's gifted. He's special. There's something there. And from there, it was just I was all in. I, I was all in. Love his demeanor. Love his attitude. Love his story. Love where he comes from. Love the situation where he wasn't even picked to go to camps. And he got a late, last-second invite to Elite 11. Went there. Won the MVP there. Like, just every opportunity he's had to show out, he's shown out. And that's why I've been a fan. So coming out of the draft, the conversation was everyone was just knocking C.J. Stroud. People talking about he don't have no it. He don't have no juice. There's nothing there. Oh, he ain't that good. It's just that their receiver core is so great. Like, ah, he ain't nothing. Ohio State's never produced a quarterback. And some bozo, some bozo decided to comment on one of my videos and tell me I ain't know what I was talking about about C.J. Stroud. Then when I gave him some information and told him what I thought, he decided to respond with the video saying that I was talking about opinions and he was giving me facts. That it's a fact Ohio State's never produced a franchise quarterback, so C.J. Stroud is not going to be a franchise quarterback. And that, for me, is when the moment started of, God, I, I got down on my knees and I prayed to God in that moment, please, God, if you ever do something for me, just make this kid, just let this kid be good. <laughs> And from that moment, from that moment last draft season, I have been hoping and praying and wishing that C.J. Stroud just performs. And I said in that moment, I listen, I've never been more confident in my life. And I'm the guy who told you Quincy Carter is going to be good. I'm the guy who told you that, that Joey Harrington, way back when, 
Joey Harrington in 2000, yo, this guy's going to be good. He's going to be great. When he got drafted by the Lions, oh, that's my guy. I had a Joey Harrington jersey. I've been doing this, okay? I've been making predictions on quarterbacks for a long time, okay? This ain't my first rodeo, and this is the first guy I've ever seen and said, it, it can't, he, he has to be good. He has to be. I've never seen a guy who is just, it's just there. It's right there. There's no, it's there. Just look at it. Just look. What do you want? 6-3. Perfect. Got it. What do you want? 2-20. Got it. What do you want? Big arm. Got it. What do you want? Accuracy. Got it. Touch. Got it. Winning resume. Got it. What do you want? No trouble. Good GPA. What do you want from a quarterback? Bang. Right there. All in one package. It's, it's never existed. There's never been a time in football history where there's been more a perfect example of what do you want in the quarterback? He got it. It's him. He, it's him. Hey, what do you do against the best competition you play? Uh, here comes Georgia into town. Do, 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 do. What's he going to do? Hey, guess what? He doesn't run the ball. That's a big problem. He doesn't run the ball. Guess what he did versus Georgia? The best team in the nation. Used his legs. Made plays. It was fantastic. What do you do at the combine? What do most of the guys do at the combine? Guess who didn't throw? Guess who didn't throw? Oh, your number one pick. He didn't throw. Oh, smart decision. Business decision. Guess who did throw? CJ, and guess who looked, guess who made every throw, bing, 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 darts, choo, choo, choo. lasers, sniper, precision, smooth, accurate, easy, please, but you guys were all paying attention to Anthony Richardson, oh, look how fast he ran that 40, look how big and strong his arm is, you wasn't paying attention to the touch, you wasn't paying attention to the accuracy, even when everyone came out of the combine and said, I've never seen a quarterback throw this well, this is the best throwing performance I've ever seen at a combine, you all ignored it, ignored it, you all just, nah, whatever, overlooked it, he's from Ohio State, nah, from Ohio State, I've never seen a more perfect quarterback prospect come out of college. Not a single question. No injury concerns. No character concerns. No ability concerns. Stats are there. Numbers are there. Went to the combine. Everything. Measurables are there. Everything is there. Never seen it before. Such a perfect prospect. And every one of y'all just, eh, it's not, eh, overlooked it. This for me, this for me, this CJ Stroud story for me, okay? Here's, it's only important for two reasons. Personal reasons, it's, it's important to me because that bozo decided to make that message with his stupid-ass beard talking about you talking your opinions and your feelings. I'm talking facts. <laughs> yeah, well, the fact is, the fact is every bit of metrics and information coming into that draft was telling you this guy is going to be good. Your fact was no one else has done it, therefore no one can do it. That's not a fact, dumbass. That's an opinion also. Up until this point, no one has. What has happened has nothing to do with who this kid is. Because if this kid went to Alabama or Georgia, he would have been the first pick in the draft. That's a fact. Because you took little-ass Bryce Young, who... I'm not, not, listen, my bad. I'm not, going, I'm not going to insult Bryce Young. No knock on the kid. He's good, too. He's a good player, too, and maybe he will be good. But there's never been a more perfect prospect than C.J. Stroud. Everything you want in the quarterback, he's got it. So now he's in the NFL. Now he's playing on the Texans. The Texans had the number two pick in the draft. Guess what? Bryce Young, Bryce Young is going to get a pass for this year. Why? Because his team ain't no good. They picked first in the draft for a reason. Guess what? The Texans picked second in the draft because they ain't no good either. And lo and behold, C.J. Stroud is putting up a fantastic year. Fantastic. That boy, look, Atlanta. Atlanta takes the lead. You going down there. You need a touchdown. You need to put together a drive. 
You are trailing 18 to 12. It hasn't been going great today. Your day has not been going great. Guess what this boy does? Guess what this perfect quarterback prospect does? Leads him down there, throws a dart. Touchdown. You got the lead. A minute 49 left. There you go. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's what you got. And what happens? The defense gives up a drive and they go down. But I don't even care about that because this season for nobody was about the Texans winning anything. It was about C.J. Stroud and developing this young quarterback and seeing what we got. And C.J. showing you, you got a hell of a dog. You got one. You got one. And you know what's happening right now in Carolina? Carolina's probably sitting there thinking, damn it. Ah, I think we messed up. I think we messed up. I think we may have taken the wrong guy. Yeah. And guess what's happening on my social media? There's not a single person coming up saying, hey, hey, man, my bad. My bad for knocking CJ Stroud for coming from Ohio State. He looks pretty good. Again, it don't matter how this ends. It don't matter what the rest of the season looks like. I don't care if in the next game he throws nine interceptions. I don't care because the standard is not no interceptions. What he's already shown you, what he's already shown you is the same damn thing he did at Ohio State. The same damn thing, which is I'm going to be poised in the pocket. I'm not going to fold under pressure. I can be accurate. I throw a very catchable ball. I'm willing to learn and study. I will make subtle improvements every single week. I'm committed to winning. I'm committed to this team. I'm a great teammate. I'm not going to get in any trouble. And whatever you ask me to do, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do it. I can win you games. I can make the smart play. I can read a deep. He's showing all of that. This kid is doing everything. That he did at Ohio State. He is playing every bit as good as he played at Ohio State. He doesn't have the weapons he had at Ohio State, which is why he's not putting up the most insane numbers. If this kid, if this, listen, if C.J. Stroud was playing in Dallas right now, Dallas would not have lost the game and C.J. Stroud would have 15 touchdowns already. He's not playing with the best receivers. No. He don't have the best offensive line. No. They don't have the best defense. No, but you know what they have? A good, competent quarterback. And the team is playing like it. And the kid is showing you that he's mature, that he's ready, that he's capable, that he's every bit the franchise quarterback. He's showing you they didn't make a mistake. He's showing you Houston knew what they were doing when they drafted him. They got the right guy. And I said it way back in the summer. Hey, the Cowboys better be on their P's and Q's because with C.J. Stroud, the Texans just might take over and be the talk of the town in Texas. Houston might take over and be the must-see attraction in Texas and not the Cowboys. That's it for my rant. That's it for my rant. It, for me, it's, just, it's a personal thing for me because... Because the 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 traditional establishment was let's let's see that everything we're looking for he is everything we want he has but we're going to knock him for reasons that have nothing to do with we we don't use that standard for anybody. Your team was too good, so we don't know how good you are. What? It don't make no sense. And that's why I'm that's why I'm fighting back, and that's why I'm bringing it up every single week. Whatever he does, good or bad, win or lose, don't matter. I'm gonna bring it up every single week. So strap in. Did I talk about Anthony Richardson being injury prone? I don't know if I did that, but Anthony Richardson is hurt again. I think we need to be concerned. I think we need to be concerned, and here's why: because everyone knew he's very raw as a passer. Right. So as a passer in the pocket guy, he's very raw. He's going to need some time to develop. 
so the rely the what you were relying on was physically he's going to be able to run and do these things with his legs and that was going to be great but the problem is if he's getting hurt then you can't have him do that which means now he has to speed up his development which was not the plan that's a concern i would be concerned if i'm the Colts, i'm concerned our guy keeps getting hurt regardless of severity it don't matter he keeps things keep happening and i would be concerned that's all that's all i want to say about that let's move on to i want to talk about something else that's starting to really irritate me it's that uh the patriots suck they stink they're falling apart it looks a mess it looks a mess And the conversation immediately is going right back to, well, maybe Bill Belichick wasn't as good of a coach as we thought. Maybe they were winning because of Tom Brady. Tom Brady deserves all the credit now because Bill Belichick looks like he don't know what he's doing. God! (laughs) It's so maddeningly simple. It's so simple The reality is so simple. It's right there in your face and you can't see it. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Let's start at square one. Number one, Bill Belichick has Tom Brady. They win six Super Bowls. Match made in heaven. Why? Was that defense good during that time period? You damn right. Was Tom Brady good during that? You damn right. Guess what would have happened? Guess what would have happened in a lot of those games if that defense wasn't good? Oh, you guess it. They lose, which is why they lost to the Eagles in the Super Bowl, because that defense wasn't good. Right? Correct? Okay. 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 Guess what would happen if, if Tom Brady wasn't there? They would lose. Why? It happened. Matt Castle was there. Wasn't the same. Right? Boom. Point proven. Got it. They needed each other. The reality is they needed each other. Why? Because there's not a great quarterback that's going to win a Super Bowl or multiple Super Bowls or six Super Bowls without having a great coach. It's not going to happen. It's never happened before in the NFL where you had one quarterback win that many championships and not have a great coach. Hasn't happened. You're not going to have a coach win that many Super Bowls without having a great quarterback. It's never happened. It's not going to happen. You need to have a great quarterback. Great quarterback, great head coach, Ta-da! You get great success. Great success, six Super Bowls. Bow! Got it. Right? That makes sense, right? Okay, boom. We now move on and we acknowledge, hey, this NFL, this league is about quarterbacks. If you got a good one, you're in a good spot. If you got a bad quarterback, there's no hope. Yes! I agree! Yes, I agree with you. You need a good quarterback to win in this league. Guess what the Patriots don't have? You guessed it. They don't have a good quarterback. Ta-da! Hey! 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 Bill ba- something, something's up with Bill Pat. Ba- he don't look as good as he used to. Why? Don't have a good quarterback in the league where you need a good quarterback to win. Bingo! That's the answer. Oh, man, what's wrong with Bill Belichick? He don't have a goddamn quarterback. That's it. That's it. You know what happened when Tom Brady left? They replaced him with trash. The the distance between Tom Brady and Matt Jones. Bruh. Sniper scope can't see that distance. You went from the, the greatest quarterback ever to play to Matt Jones. That's a massive drop-off. I don't care how good you coach. You want to know how I know he's a good coach? Because up until these last two weeks, they've at least been competitive in games. That's how I know. Because every offseason, they make the worst moves with the roster you've ever heard of on paper, and yet they come out, and gosh darn it, wouldn't you believe it, they are competitive each and every week, making it tough for people each and every week. Until the last two weeks. The last two weeks, it's been it's fell, it's falling apart. But if you take a bad team, and we all agree they are bad, the roster's bad, and yet they're competing, that to me is coaching. If he gets a quarterback, if he gets a good one in there, 
it's right back to the way it was. They're going to be competing for division titles. They're going to be making deep playoff runs and possibly winning Super Bowls. They don't need to win six like Brady. They just need to win one. If they get a good quarterback in there, listen, answer me a question. If Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes played for the Patriots, would you not think that they have a chance to win a Super Bowl? Of course you would. Bill Belichick ain't changed. He the same guy. If you think with Patrick Mahomes he could win a Super Bowl, then you think he's just as good as he was ever. I don't understand why how you can say in one breath, A, you need a quarterback to win in this league, and then in the next breath say, ah, but Bill Be- something's wrong with Bill Belichick, and ignore the fact that his quarterback is ass. A-S-S. The, the two, two big old booty cheeks, the hole in the middle, that's Mac Jones. He's boo-boo. Ain't nothing wrong with Belichick. Is still a great coach. He needs the right quarterback, and he hasn't gotten it yet. And the reason why he keeps getting these receivers that nobody wants and not da-da-da-da-da is because in his life, he's never had to. Because a great quarterback can get the ball to a receiver, and he can make a play. You don't need to have the greatest receiver group in the NFL to win titles. You don't. You just need guys who can catch a ball. But you also need the right guy to deliver it to him. And he don't have that. That's the missing piece. That's the difference between greatest coach of all time and looking how he looks now. He needs the right quarterback. Side note, Joe Burrow looked like Joe Burrow last week. I think that continues. 36 of 46, 317 yards, three tutties. Joe Burrow's looking like Joe Burrow. I think that continues. I think they're about to go off to the races. I think you're about to see the Bengals look like they're supposed to look. They're going to make a run. I want to move on now to, uh, I don't know if you guys are talking about MVP yet. I don't know if that's happening yet, if you guys are talking about MVP. But my vote for MVP, CJ Stroud. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. My vote for MVP is Jared Goff. Right now, he's 6th in the NFL in completion percentage, ninth in yards, 7th in touchdowns, 6th in quarterback rating. He's playing his ass off. The Lions are 4-1. They're looking like they're about to just take off. They're, they're, they're just, they look like they're about to get to a title. That team looks like, yo, we know what we are. We know what we aren't. We play hard. We play competitive. We compete every single week, and we got a quarterback who's playing really well. Two, two parts of this story that's important to me. Number one. Number one, that coaching staff believes in Jared Goff. And Jared Goff believes in that coaching staff. And that is a fantastic thing to see. I feel like when 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 the Rams lost the Super Bowl versus the Patriots, Jared Goff got so much of the blame for that loss that I don't think people realize how ugly that game was on both sides. And Jared Goff had cooks in the back of the end zone. And if he had thrown it seven inches shorter, that's a touchdown. The Rams win. Jared Goff is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And I think that trade for Matt Stafford never happens. I think it's that close to your entire look of Jared Goff being different. When he got traded to Detroit, the conversation was Jared Goff stinks. Matt Stafford goes out and wins the Super Bowl. And everybody comes back to me saying, see, see, so much better than Jared Goff. And I said, aren't they kind of the same guy? I was wrong. Jared Goff is better than Matt Stafford. He's better than Matt Stafford ever was. He is. He is. He is. He is. He is. He's a better player. He's a better player. I'm I'm standing on that. Jared Goff is better than Matt Stafford. In their primes, don't care when you put it, he's better than Matt Stafford. Okay? And you, everyone just looked at Jared Goff as being like this. He's, he sucks. He's no good. He's no good. He's no good. And I felt bad for him because, like, yo, bro, this guy ain't do nothing wrong, bro. He went to a Super Bowl. Look at his numbers. His numbers look good. Like, you watch him play, and it's like, yeah, he's good. Like, I don't understand. Like, what's the problem? He's better than a lot of guys. He's better than a lot of guys. He throws a pretty pass, good deep ball, can throw it short. Like, he's he's good. What, I don't understand the problem. The Lions definitely won the trade. Like, we got our quarterback for the next eight to ten years. Yeah. I'm straight. They believe in him. And when you get a good player and a coaching staff who believes in you, this is what you can have. You have Jared Goff playing his best football. He had a good year last year. He had a good year the year before. 
I love to see the fact that they believe in him. He believes in them, and they're the the marriage is made. It's perfect. It's great. I think Jared Goff should be up for conversations for MVP. I do. I do. I'm not saying he has to win it. I'm not saying he's the hands down MVP. But if you're gonna start talking about MVPs, you better bring up his name because he's deserving of it. The next thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about me possibly being wrong. Because, you know, sometimes I'd be right, but that means sometimes I'd also be wrong. I've always been on the side of Brock Purdy's not really that good. Brock Purdy is okay, and he just is in the perfect situation. He's got a great play caller, a great head coach, and an offensive mind in Kyle Shanahan. He's got great weapons around him. He's now got Christian McCaffrey, like a perfect set. He doesn't have to do much. The defense is great. They're going to keep him in every game. And even if he makes a mistake, it doesn't matter. Like the defense is going to make up for it. That's a perfect situation to be in. You can play so free, so loose, so fearless because you know you have the more support than anyone else in the NFL. That's what I said for so long. For so many, for so long, I've been saying that. I've been on that train. But now I started thinking maybe I'm wrong. Because when I was watching the Sunday night game against the Cowboys, that boy was dropping dimes. Like he was making throws that were like, damn. <laughs> now maybe it's just because on the other side you were watching Prescott throw and then everything for Prescott looks like a struggle even the most accurate passes look like a struggle for him and Brock Purdy just looks so relaxed and calm and I started thinking you know what we've heard so many times uh, criticism of players by saying yeah he looks like he's good but that's only because he was with a great team oh he ain't really that good the team around him was just so good it made him look better We hear that all the time, but we very rarely will hear someone say, oh, no, he didn't look great in college because of the team he was playing on. And that team was holding him back. And now he's in the NFL and he's doing putting in work and like you see what he's really capable of. He was held back. You hear about it in basketball, like people say that about Jordan. People say that about other players, like in college, he didn't play this way because he had the system in college and they were kind of holding him back. Now he's in the league, able to really show what he could do. You see it better. But we don't hear about that much in football. And I was thinking, is it possible that Brock Purdy and most of our opinions of Brock Purdy based off of coming out of college and what he did in college? Is it possible that that Iowa State system just kind of held him back, didn't allow him to show his real potential? Is it possible? Could I be wrong about Brock Purdy? Is he actually really good? I'm As of right now, I'm still going to stand on the side of no. But I don't have much. I don't have much leg to stand on in that. Because again. If you want to discount the stats because of the situation he's in and the team he's playing for in the perfect situation. Sure, you can do that. But if you just use the eye test and you watch him play, dude is relaxed. Dude is comfortable, confident, delivering the ball, throws it accurate, makes all the reads, does everything they're asking him to do. And at that point, it's like, well, what what do I need to judge him on then? He wouldn't go to a different team and do that. Well, he doesn't have to. He don't have to. Patrick Mahomes ain't going to go to another team and do that. We don't know. You could say that, but we don't know. And we saw Jimmy Garoppolo on the 49ers, and they weren't like, you always knew, like, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo is a problem. You're like, oh, this team is really good, but Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, he's the problem. He's holding them back. And you don't say that about Brock Purdy. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll wait. I'm gonna stand on. I'm. I'm gonna stand on the same ledge I'm on now and say that Brock Purdy's okay, but the team is great, and Brock Purdy at some point will get exposed. But I'm also acknowledging. I don't have a good argument for that. <laughs> so if you if you give me pushback on Brock Purdy, I, I'm not going to fight you. I don't have a leg to stand on. Let's move on to college football because there's a couple of things that I want to touch on in here. Number one, I just want to uh, acknowledge that Colorado is absolutely uh, no longer really the talk of the town anymore. You, you, you see it now that like they're not really getting pushed up as much. And I think that's because they got exposed versus Oregon. They got exposed versus um, USC. And everyone can kind of see like, oh, yeah. Yeah, they got to waste. They're not really there. They're not really there. It's not. We can't really justify all the hype 
given to them now because they're they're looking okay. And then they struggled against Arizona State. The only thing about this game that I want to bring up that I want to mention is after the game, Shador Sanders running up to the student section and flashing the watch. Now look, my old man brain says, bro, bro, you barely won. You struggled. Like, it wasn't pretty. You you got, like, it's Arizona State. Like, you were favored to win. Like, what are you doing? Act like you've been here before. And you wasn't doing all that watch showing nonsense when you was getting smacked around by Oregon and beat by USC. So don't don't celebrate when you're up and then when you're down, like, try to, like, hide out. Don't do that. But then my 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 sports and competitive brain says, look, that's just fun. That's just college kids having fun. So it is ultimately it is a whole bunch of nothing. But ah, God, if you if you were ever looking for a reason why people might hate on Colorado, it's that. It's that when I'm winning, I'm going to be all up in your face and I'm be da 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 da. I'm this, I'm this, I'm this and this. And then when I lose, I'm going to kind of be like, nah, it's all good. You know, it's all right. Like, it's fine. Like, and be like a little more, you know, nah. Nah, if you're gonna if you're gonna be that type of dude, then be that type of dude. That's why people dislike Colorado. But let's talk about some real stuff. Miami, Miami, Miami. You have the game one. You just gotta take a knee. And you run the ball. Now, obviously, stupid decision. Here's the problem I have with it though. Cause I've thought about it. initially I said, oh, that's so bad. But then I started thinking, bro, I ran the ball, but you didn't have to fumble. <laughs> like, you didn't have to fumble. Like, bro, you didn't have to fumble. You could have just held on to the ball. You didn't have to fight for yards. You could have just went down. There's so much wrong on that play, but I think if he runs the ball and the guy gets tackled, no one is coming out this week saying, oh, my God, what are you thinking? Stupid decision, blah, blah, blah. Don't do that. Don't do that. You got to you gotta kneel it. You gotta, it would be nothing. Nobody would say nothing. I agree. This is, this is, see, this is what I learned this week. What I learned this week is people have a hard time accepting that two things can be true. People have a hard time accepting that something can happen. And it could have happened for multiple reasons. It seems like in today's day and age, we only want, we need to have one singular focus of what the problem is. That's all we can focus on. And if you're sitting out there and you're going to try to tell me that I did the same exact thing with the Cowboys by putting it all on Dak Prescott, you're wrong. There's multiple reasons why they lost that game. But all of those things can be fixed. The one thing that can't be fixed is Dak Prescott. That's why I singled him out. What I'm saying here is, yes, they should have took a knee. But also, at the same time, a running back did fumble the ball. And at the same time, the defense did give up a big drive. It wasn't like you fumbled the ball, they scoop and scored. It wasn't like you hiked the ball. Like it, a, lot of things, a lot of things went wrong. That one decision was a bad decision in retrospect. If the running back runs the ball, gets tackled, the clock runs out, we win the game, let's go home. Nobody thinks that that's a bad decision then. It's only because of all the things that happened. But what you can't ignore, a bad decision was made, a fumble was made, a defense gave up a touchdown. It's a lot more than just the decision that went wrong. Everything went wrong. So my biggest takeaway from that is, hey, guys. You could point to the one decision and hold that responsible for everything else if you want to. But in life, things happen and you have to react to it and respond to it. And their response to it was complete disaster. I can't put that all on the coach. Because again, if the coach makes that same call, the running back doesn't fumble, the game ends, we walk away winners, nobody's asking questions about that play call. So everything else had to fail in order for you to even notice that that was a bad decision. Notre Dame loses on the road to Louisville. I picked Notre Dame to win because I thought Louisville was just inconsistent and bad, and they beat up Notre Dame. Here's my takeaway. Winning on the road at night in college football is one of the hardest things you could do in sports. It's so hard to do. 
The energy in the building is insane. We've seen if you if you think about the greatest upsets you've seen, most of them happened on the road at night. The home team like was the underdog one at home at night. That's the way it goes. It's so hard. I don't know what it is, and it's probably just because they're young kids. The atmosphere is crazy. The fan base has all day long of tailgating and partying and getting excited and amped up 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 for this night game. But golly, it's hard to do. And Notre Dame was just the most recent victim of it. Although against USC this week, I might pick them. You'll have to wait and find out. Georgia versus Kentucky. Georgia made a statement, right? They've been kind of just cruising their way through. Going into last week, I thought with Kentucky coming in as a legitimate opponent, top 25 ranked opponent, some people wondering, how is Georgia going to perform? Are they going to show up or show out or what's going to happen? I think that I felt like they were going to beat up on Kentucky and show a little bit more of what they could do. Because like I said, it's hard for these college kids who are at an elite level to get excited and get up and really put in the right effort to beat a team that they know, bro, I don't even have to try to beat this team. It's hard to expect them to have that level of maturity and professionalism to go put in the same amount of work week in, week out when like they already know they don't have to. It's hard to do. It's hard to expect. So when they go up against these teams, a team that they feel like poses a real threat or has a real opportunity to give them a challenge, they get a little more up for it. I do think, though, coming out of this, they're getting into the home stretch now. It's time to start buckling down and start dominating because they're starting to get questioned now as a number one team. Some people think Michigan should go to number one. So I think now, now they're going to start, this is going to be that level of effort that they have going forward. They're going to start trying to really put in work and dominate. Ohio State versus Purdue this weekend. I am scared. This is my last thing, and then I'll get out of here. I'm nervous about the Ohio State and Purdue game. Ohio State is on the road, and here's a stat for you. Since 2003, Ohio State is 1-4 and four playing at Purdue. 1-4. The last time they were at Purdue, was 2018, and you remember that game with Dwayne Haskins. They went in there. They lost 49-20. to They got housed. Purdue was wearing all black. It was a night game. They were, Ohio State was supposed to win, and that game started and ended. It was bad. It's the last time they were there. I don't know what it is, but Purdue, for the longest time, has given Ohio State some trouble. Ohio State is 7-4 and four versus Purdue since 2003. And most of the games have been very close. So look, let me read you some of these scores. So in 2003, Ohio State won 16-13. In 2004, they lost 24-17. to In 2007, they won 23-7. In 2008, they won 16-3. In 2009, they lost 26-18. That's a weird score. In 2010, they won 49-0. to That was a blowout. 2011, they lost 26-23. to I remember that game too. 2012, they won, but it was 29-22. to It was a tough game. I remember that one too. In 2013, they squashed them 56-0. to 2018 was the 49-20 to game. 2021, the last time they played, they won 59-31. to But I do remember that game, and that game was much closer than that final score. Purdue just plays Ohio State tough. I don't know what it is, but it's been that way for a long time. They just have their number. Now, Ohio State, the reason why I'm concerned is because Ohio State's offensive line is garbage. They can't run the ball at all. So now you're asking a young quarterback uh, who's still, they're still trying to figure out like how they want to go about it. He's now going to have to win the game. Is he capable? Sure, I think he is. Purdue is not very good, but again, at home, they're the underdog. 
They got nothing to lose. Ohio State has a bad offensive line. They got a young quarterback. It's You could see how an early pick six, man, changes everything. A early scoop and score, early turnover, just a turnover can change everything. I think Ohio State better be on their P's and Q's or else they're going to get beat. Let's get into some picks then. Let's get into some picks. So in college football, let's start with that one. Ohio State versus Purdue. Ohio State is 19 and a half point favorites. I think, number one, I think this game is going to be closer than that. I think this game is going to be scary. I think they're going to have some trouble, especially early. I think that Purdue fan base is going to go crazy. I'm taking Ohio State. But it's going to be scary. It's going to be close. It's going to be tough. Oregon taking on Washington. I'm taking Oregon. Here's why. Number one. I think both of these offenses are great. I think Ohio, I think Oregon's a little bit better because I think they run the ball better. But these offenses are going to score. What it's going to come down to is one of these defenses is going to have to make one or two stops. That's it. That's all it's going to come down to is one or two stops. I think Oregon's defense is a little bit better than Washington. And I think their coach is very motivated and is doing all the right things and pulling all the right strings. Is going to get that team ready to go because this is another, his whole spiel this whole year it's about we are overlooked. I think there's been so much conversation about Washington and Penix and Heisman and all this and that. I think he's going to use that to his advantage. I think Oregon's defense is going to make one or two stops and be able to win this game. I like Oregon. USC taking on Notre Dame. I'm taking Notre Dame for two reasons. Number one, I think USC has been floundering all year. That defense for USC is bad. It's a bad defense. They 100% rely on Caleb Williams and his ability to make plays. Here's what's going to happen. When you go against a really good defense that can make it hard for you, they're going to struggle. It was a struggle last week versus Arizona. They had a big-time lead versus Colorado, and Colorado's off defense was able to make some plays and neutralize their offense for a little bit. And I think Notre Dame is far better than Colorado's defense. And what Notre Dame is going to do is use the same game plan they did against Ohio State. On offense, we're going to control the ball, control the clock, shorten the game. On defense, we're going to give you some tough looks. We're going to make it hard for you. We're going to block up the run. You're going to have to rely on the pass. We're going to drop guys in zone coverage. Good luck. I think they're just going to shorten the game. I think they're going to make USC have to punt the ball one or two times, and they're going to have long drives. Or or they're going to make USC have to drive up the field and eat clock. USC wants to strike fast. I don't think Notre Dame lets it happen. I like Notre Dame to win this game versus USC. Miami versus North Carolina. Two things about this game. Number one, how does Miami bounce back from their blunder of losing a game that they had won? How do they bounce back? What do they do? Do they overcompensate? Do they try too hard? What is it going to look like? That's fascinating to me. I'm excited to see that. But North Carolina is sneakily becoming one of those teams we have to look at and say, yo, this team might be in line to make the playoff. This might be a real legit contender. While everyone else is swooning over Penix and they're swooning over Caleb Williams, you got a little old guy in Drake May who's just playing ball. This guy's good. This guy is the real deal. I like North Carolina to beat Miami. Georgia taking on Vanderbilt. The reason why this game is of any interest to me is because I'm looking for Georgia to follow up what they did last week and show whether or not they are going to be sleepy time dogs or if they're going to step up and start to make that playoff push and that championship run and start to dominate the way they are supposed to. I'm taking Georgia. I'm only interested to see if they dominate or not. All right, let's get into the NFL. You got the Vikings minus two and a half versus the Bears. I'm taking the Bears. I think in the last two weeks, Justin Fields has looked like he's getting back to just playing football, not overthinking, not trying to make the perfect throws, but just playing football. I think this offense continues that, and I think this is the week they put things together a little bit more because last week it wasn't always pretty, but it was effective. I think this week it looks a little more pretty. It's a little more polished. I like the Bears. Eagles minus seven versus the Jets. Seven is too big of a number in this game. 
I think the Jets are building confidence. I think Zach Wilson is building confidence. We know that defense is legit. And the Eagles have been sleepwalking through this season. They've been winning. They've been making some plays. But they also look kind of inept at times. I think this game is much closer than seven points. I take the Eagles to win. But I like the Jets with the spread. Lions minus three versus the Bucks. I think Lions are quietly making the case that they are the best team in the NFL. Three points. I like the Lions in that spot. Bills minus 14 versus the Giants. You know my policy, double-digit spread. I'm usually going for the underdog, but this year, these double-digit spreads have really been appropriate. The Giants are bad. Daniel Jones hurt his neck. There is a chance that he may not play, but even if he does play, wh- what do you got? I, I, An injured Daniel Jones like with a bad offensive line? Like, come on now, the Bills are going to take advantage of that, put pressure on them. I expect a couple turnovers. If Daniel Jones plays, I expect a bunch of sacks, a bunch of turnovers, just how it has been. The Giants are a bad football team. They're a mess. Bills minus 14. I think they clear that. Easy, too, I might add. Cowboys versus Chargers. Look, Cowboys are favored in this game somehow, someway. Minus two versus the Chargers. Look, here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm guaranteeing you Cowboys lose. I'm guaranteeing you Justin Herbert slices up that defense. I don't understand why anybody's favoring the Chargers versus anybody. It's over. I don't know why I said the Chargers favored against anybody. I don't know why the Cowboys are favored versus anybody. Take the chart. I'm taking the Chargers. That's my time, y'all. Look, I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I enjoyed making it and delivering it to you. Follow me on all social media platforms at cyber underscore pod. That's S-I-B-R underscore pod, P-O-D. That's where I'm at on all social media. Follow me on YouTube at Cyber Network, S-I-B-R Network, all caps with a little dot in between. It'll be in the description. Look, follow me on there for exclusive videos. And if you want my picks for the entire top 25 in college and every game in the NFL versus spread, you'll find it on my YouTube channel. I appreciate y'all coming through for another week and joining me. I love y'all. I'll see y'all next week.